This is Kent Peterson. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is... Aaron Blank, and I'm the middle school pastor. We can't here. hear you, though. My mic's not on. Well, it is on, but it's not on. Uh, Aaron Blank, and I'm the middle school pastor here. Aaron is our middle school pastor here. More on that in a moment. Wanna, we're so glad that we're here together this morning. want to welcome those who are joining us online. Uh, the one time in the service, actually, pull it out for your Bible or notes or whatever. But I want to encourage you to pull out your phone right now, uh, not to look at the, uh, you know, games or anything like that. Just pull out your phone if you would. And text the word Hutch to 94000, so 94000. Text the word Hutch to, and then um, you'll get a, a, a thing that will say one or two. If you're new, hit one. If you've been here a while, hit two. We'd love to know that you're, you're here. That helps us stay connected with you. If you have a prayer request, we want to know about those things. We pray about those as a staff throughout the week. So anyway, just connect with us. Uh, you can do that as well as online. You can also do it with the, the connection cards and the seat backs in front of you and do that in the back as well. Also helps you let you know the many things, good things, going on on the hub when you do that. Well, you know Pastor Aaron, unless it's your first time or second time here, um, he needs no introduction. Um, his uh, students uh, has been having some amazing days here. In fact, a week ago, Friday night, we had another Friday frenzy, which Friday is nine frenzy. to yep. midnight on Friday nights. Yep. And we had a record. How many kids we, we had? We had 92 middle schoolers. So it was like a school. middle schoolers. So we are here to pray for Pastor Aaron, 92 middle schoolers. We pray for anybody for that. So anyway, it's so awesome. Actually, we have some great days in all of our uh, student next-gen ministries. We're having nearly 90 middle schoolers and high schools the last couple Wednesday nights, uh, 75 from preschool up to fifth grade with Christy back there on Wednesday nights. And so we got about 170, 75 kids that we're ministering to on Wednesday nights, and then they join us, many of them on Sunday as well too. So just thank you. Um, your faithful giving helps do so much of that, but it gives me a chance to not only highlight um, one of our uh, great pastors here and middle school pastor, but I think there's something kind of coming up this weekend that's kind of important. Yes. Um, uh, at least you feel it's important. Yes. You could put your mic up. Yes, be proud. It, it be is proud. important. Uh, I am getting married this Friday, actually. Getting married this Friday so, night. So very exciting things. Um, and it'll be in Cincinnati, Ohio, because that's where, you know, most of, of my family lives. And so it uh, just worked out to, to have the wedding there. So, um, in fact, as soon as we get done with this, I am going immediately out the door to Ohio. So, so we uh, believe that, you know, they say that uh, marriage matures you, makes you more mature. So we're really looking forward to Aaron upon his return. I'm excited for those. Don't hold so. your breath. <laughs> no, hey, uh, we couldn't be more thrilled. And we celebrate and rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who are going through mourning. But we rejoice today for Pastor Aaron and Stephanie. You're going to get to know her better. She's not as boisterous and loud. And, and uh, she kind of balances him out in that way. But when they come back, uh, we get an opportunity to bless them. So you see it on your screen behind you. Please put October 2nd on your calendar, 2 to 4. It'll be fun just to gather together, eat some fun uh, things that actually the pastor's wives are kind of hosting yep. this, putting this together. So I know it's going to be good. It's going to be some fun food, good treats. Um, but anyway, uh, they're registered at uh, Home Depot and Amazon. And yep. I know it makes it awkward for you, but I can't remember this yep. last part. So it's called The Knot. The website is called The Knot, like you tie a knot, and it's 
to symbolize that. And uh, if you go to the knot and then you will type in Stephanie and Aaron blank or Aaron and Stephanie blank, uh, it will show up with the registry on there. Uh, again, you don't have to feel pressured to do that. It's just Yeah, sorry to make them awkward, but that's the part I can't remember ever. So just thank you. We want to bless uh, Pastor Aaron and Stephanie. They've been a blessing to us. And so we look forward to seeing this uh, come back and seeing plural, the blanks, mm -hmm. uh, upon their return. And before um, we do so, I would just love the opportunity to pray for him. And before we pray, thank you again for your faithfulness and your generosity and your giving. Without your generosity and your giving, we don't have these great middle school, high school, and children's ministry. We had a couple in our church for the first time, in our, our second time in our first service today, and they specifically told me what brought them here was our next-gen ministries, our children's and youth ministries. So thank you for your giving. Without it, we don't do that. Yep, so you can clap. He's my neighbor, but you can clap. Absolutely. So thank you for your generosity. It lets that happen. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not taking that next step, it's part of our journey with God is to be generous. God wants us to be like him. So I want to encourage you, be generous. Uh, take that step and start giving something systematically or start um, tithing and move to 10% or maybe God's really blessed you. Use that to be a blessing to advance the kingdom of God. You can do that four ways. The one is the easiest is to text again, Hutch to 94,000 and you can go that direction. You can go to hutchfirstnaz.org on our website. You can give back in the back as well too, the kind of an old traditional way, but we're thankful however it comes. We're thankful for your giving uh, because without it wouldn't happen. So let me bless, uh, let's bless Pastor Aaron and uh, Stephanie and also bless our offering today. Father, thank you for the opportunity to pray a blessing over this great young man and this great young lady, Pastor Aaron and Stephanie. We're looking forward to what you're going to do through them. Lord, our marriage is not just for us. Our marriage is meant to advance your kingdom. It's meant to be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just bless them. I pray this Friday night, Lord, your Holy Spirit would be so thick. You would be so felt in their ceremony and their service, Lord. Uh, I thank you that we get to be a part of it. I know everyone would love to be a part of it, but 12 hours is a long ways. But, Lord, we get to bless them when they come back. But, Lord, we thank you, uh, Lord, for this couple and what you're going to do in and through their lives. Thank you for the ministry, for our middle school students specifically today and for the good days we're having. Um, I just pray your blessing on them. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And I think Aaron has actually got to go to Ohio. Yep. So let's say, you know, run, Forrest, run, run, <laughs> run, Aaron, get out of here, get gone. He really is leaving right now. He's going to go pick up their two dogs, and Stephanie's already in Ohio. Uh, Stephanie has been our house guest for the last four months, and it's been a blessing to have her. But I bet you she's so excited to move out from underneath our roof and move in with Pastor Aaron and his roof. And so we're excited for the great days ahead for them. I got to share with you one more good thing. We're starting, um, we're in the middle of a series called Four. Um, it's what our church is about. In fact, if you're newer here today, great time to be here because we're kind of sharing what we're for around here, what we're in favor of. We're for reaching wide. Pastor Nate talked about that a few weeks ago, reaching wide because Jesus reached wide. He wants to reach everyone. He wants to reach the world. Um, we've talked about unleashing compassion. Actually, you did unleashing compassion last week to our community. Thank you for all that you gave and all that you did. It was just awesome. I wish I could share all the thank yous coming in from teachers, principals, administrators, and people in our community. So thank you for your great work that you did there. Uh, you just heard about uh, raising up the next generation. I want to share this. Pastor Christie sent this to the pastors last night, 
and I love this so much. It's one of our young couples. We got a baby boom going on right now. Uh, three of, in the same life group, three have come all at the same time. They're all about the same age, about a month. And, uh, but they, uh, the Ulrichs have a little three-year-old, Ellie. And Bridget was given Ellie either bath last night or Friday night, and she sent this to Pastor Christie. She sent this text. She said, in the bath tonight, Ellie told me, I want to pretend getting baptized in the church. Then you have to clap for me, Mommy. Isn't that awesome? We're picking up the culture that we celebrate when lives are changed around here. And our little three-year-olds, they're, they're gravitating. They're learning it. So we're excited uh, for those things. And we're excited to help be a, be a church, that you're part of a church that is helping to raise up the next generation. Today, though, we're talking about growing deep. That we're, we want to grow deep. We're meant to grow deep. Why do we want to grow deep? Because when our roots go deep, we're going to stand strong. And if our roots don't go deep, we're not going to stand strong. We're going to, be, uh, we're going to go back and forth with the waves and winds of the, the things that we all face in this life. So we want to grow deep roots. Now, I know that when we think of the word deep, especially if you're growing up in church, you think of different things. I heard a pastor say recently, you know, that um, he, he, all, he always hears from his people, I want to go deep. I want to go deep. We want to go deep. And he goes, deep sounds great unless you can't swim. <laughs> then it doesn't sound so good. It depends on what you're describing as deep. But when you think of deep, what do you think of? Some think immediately they kind of go, you grow up in church, you think of, of knowledge that we want to grow deep in our knowledge. And while that is important and it is a part of the journey and something we need to do, knowledge alone is not good enough. In fact, knowledge alone leads to pride, leads to us being boastful, leads to us being puffed up. The Apostle Paul said that, that uh, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. That's the ultimate goal. And so it's not just to be puffed up with, with knowledge, uh, that's just one. It's a part of it, but it's not all of it. Then there's the second. Sometimes people think, well, growing deep is obedience. You know, it's, 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 it's following God's teaching, God's laws, doing those things. That is a part of it. It, it is a part of it. But just following the law of God, no, first of us, none of us can all do it. You know, we need, that's why we need the grace of Jesus. But obedience, if it's just obedience, we become judgmental. And we begin to think that we, you know, and the Pharisees were really good at this. They, they were righteous enough, more righteous than everyone else, according to them, because they followed the law better than anyone else. They knew the scriptures and the Torah better than anybody else, but they fell short of what God's standard was. And they were missing the mark. They were missing the boat because they just focused on knowledge and they just focused on obedience. So if it's not just knowledge and just obedience, what is it? What is God after? Well, God is after transformation. He wants to transform us. He wants us to, to, he wants to produce Christ-likeness in us. And Christ-likeness does come from studying God's Word and from being in church and learning about Him. It comes from walking and growing in obedience, and you can't do away with that. You can't say, I just, I love God, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to obey at all. I'm just, you know, thank you, thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I don't have to do anything. I'm forgiven. No, that's dumb. Uh, God wants us to walk. We don't do things to try to earn God's favor. We do things because we receive God's favor. God wants to transform us and make us new. Today is Labor Day. 
On June 28, 1884, Labor Day was an act of Congress that from the first Monday from then on of September, it would be a day that we would celebrate the American spirit of, of production and producing. And uh, if they thought how much they produced back then, think about how much has been produced even in the last five years. It's just amazing. And so we celebrate the American spirit of production. It's one of the things that we all like to do. We like to be productive. Uh, it doesn't matter in, in the work. You know, we want to we be produced. We want to do a good job in school. We want to get good grades. Uh, it, it's even the small things. Yesterday, Heather had a project for us. Um, you ever heard of spring cleaning? Okay, you're supposed to do it in the spring, right? She's like, we're going to have a fall cleaning day. I'm like, it's Labor Day, dear. We're supposed to take a rest from our labors. And she's like, no. She goes, and I don't call my wife dear. That sounded really funny out of my mouth. Maybe you do. That's okay. Um, but anyway, I was like, okay. And so, uh, you know, we put in about a nine-hour day yesterday. She said, the girls are gone, so let's get some things cleaned up we haven't been able to do for a while. So we worked hard. And honestly, at the end of the day, she and I both, we felt good. We had produced something. It was small. It wasn't big to the grandiose scheme of things. It didn't matter to you. But it was, it was a small thing that it felt. It's why last week, so many of you felt good about being productive and producing and doing something bigger and more than yourself and were serving and doing things in our community. Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because that's the way God wired us. God wired you. He made you in his image. And his image is creative. His image is to produce, is to, to bear fruit. One of his first commands, the first command he gave us was be fruitful and multiply. And I don't believe that was just go procreate. I believe that he put within us, uh, he's a creative God. He, he produces, he wants us to do the same. We're made in his image. So why is it that some people seemingly live fulfilling, productive satisfying lives while others seem to live less satisfying, less fulfilling, less productive lives? That's a question for everybody. If you're a follower of Jesus today, I might say it in this way. Uh, this applies to those if, you're, if you uh, claim to be and profess to follow Jesus. Why is it some Christians seem to be more satisfied in their walk with God than others? Why do some seem to enjoy it more than others? I really believe it comes down to what we're talking about today. The difference is the path you choose and the, and the roots that you grow. It's the path you choose and the roots that you choose to grow. Would you all agree with me here this morning? You don't know what you're agreeing with me yet. So would you all agree that there's a good path and a, a bad path in life to follow? Uh, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus to agree with that. You see it everywhere. There's a good way to kind of live your life. There's a bad way to live the life. And before we get too proud, we've all been on the bad path. We've all been down the wrong road. There's not one of us that have been exempt from that. But there is a place where we're left with the decision, and it's described in one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's smack dab in the middle of the Bible. If you open up your Bible and just smack dab in the middle, you're going to come to Psalms. Psalm chapter 1. There's 150 psalms that the psalmist wrote, mostly by King David, but there's a, a few others that were put in there. I don't believe it's an accident that Psalm 1 was placed as Psalm 1, the first chapter of this great book of psalms, because I believe it is deep and rich in meaning, and yet there's a simplicity, and you're going to see the simplicity of it. 
It's a path of life. You're going to see behind door number one or path number one, you're going to hear words like righteous and prosperity and what I call the good life. And don't get hung up on the word prosperity. I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. I'm not a name it, claim it. You're going to get the cars, the girls, and the, and the house. That's not how I, how I preach. The girls, I didn't throw that in first service. That sounded really creepy from me. So just let's scratch that one out. The houses and the cars. Uh, it, it's, it's not about that. Uh, prosperous life, we're going to talk about what it is to be prosperous a little bit later. But it's the good life. Path number two is uh, you're going to see words like wicked and destruction or what I, will, I refer to as the empty life. There's a good life and there's an empty life. And it doesn't have to do with our circumstances because we all know bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and vice versa. It, 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 it is what is we center our life on, the good life. And I want to start with this book, a uh, great book, chapter one of Psalm. And there's a few things I want to highlight as we read it. The psalmist says, blessed is the one who does not walk, and I want us to pay attention to three uh, verbs today. Walk, stand, and sit. There's a progression that we're going to talk about today. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on its law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so with the wicked. Whatever they do prospers. Let me give an example of that. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, we do not fear as believers because God is with us. Because he is going to walk with us through that valley that we have his presence and he's going to help us through that. So whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 1 lays out a choice for us a path for us, a righteous path based on God's righteousness, not ours, or a path that we choose to choose our way and go our direction and live by the way that we want to do it. And if we look a little deeper into the truth of this passage, we see a blessing and we see a warning. We say, live this way and this is the blessed life, but I want to warn you, just like we tell our little kids, don't touch the stove when they're little, not because we don't love them, but because we want them not to, be, to, to hurt themselves, God in the same way loves us enough to give us a warning about destruction and judgment. And I call this the slippery slope of sin. The first few verses that we read this morning describes the slippery slope of sin, to walk, to stand, to sit. You see, it's a progression. It's so subtle. It, it, it sneaks up on you. You know, the enemy, the devil, he did whatever you want to say. You won't even call him devil, Satan, the enemy. Uh, the plan that he enacts is not one that shouts with a megaphone. It whispers. He whispers. It's not something that's obvious. It's so subtle. And it starts with, as it did in the Garden of Eden, it starts with, doesn't this sound good? Doesn't this make sense? And we start in a, it's such a subtle, it looks good, it sounds good. At the beginning, sin may, it feels good, it looks good, tastes good, whatever it is. 
It's subtle, it's sneaky, but you'll see this path that the psalmist says is to walk, stand, and sit. The first is to walk in step with the wicked. What is it to walk in step with the wicked? It's to conform. It's to be a conformist. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. There is a pattern in this world that is easy to follow. So many people follow it because it's easy. It's what's called the wide road that leads to destruction. Then there's the narrow road that leads to life. Don't conform any long. Don't, don't live life just not thinking. Be intentional. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. That's the goal, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good pleasing, and perfect will. God has a good will for your life. It's pleasing. It's perfect. It doesn't mean life's going to go perfect, but his will for you to follow his plan, it is perfect. Another word besides conform might be to compromise. It's when we rationalize. It's when we make those small decisions in the office place or at school. It's when we just say, uh, when we do it just to a, a small extent, we compromise. We don't do it all the way, but we compromise. That's to walk in step with the wicked. Then to stand in the way that sinners is to put ourselves in the path where it's going to find us. We allow ourselves to be put in the temptation. We allow ourselves to be put in those situations because we're no longer kind of walking and checking it out. We're like, now I kind of want it to find me. And, and now I'm going to engage in it, which we should never engage with temptation. The only way to beat temptation is to run, is to flee. We're not powerful enough. We're not strong enough. The Holy Spirit's plan for us is to run, is to flee. But then after we stand, then we sit. And to sit is to get comfortable. It's where you are today. You feel comfortable? Those seats nice and padded today. Do they feel good? They feel comfortable today? I'm not talking that kind of comfort, but when we sit, we kind of kick back. We stop, we stop being intentional, and, and that is what it is to sit. Here's how it works. Uh, a good friend of mine, I was in his wedding. He was in mine. Uh, he's a great athlete. After, uh, after we both were married and a couple years uh, went by. Uh, he was still a good athlete. I was losing my juice. And uh, he started getting asked to play on these softball teams. No one invited me or asked me to play. No one wanted me. Uh, they, he started to play. Nothing wrong with softball, but he was really good at it. He was just married a few years, and he was so good at it, everyone began to ask him to play. And it started off two or three nights a week, not a terrible thing, but then it became almost every night of the week. And then all of a sudden, he was playing on all these travel teams, and every weekend, instead of going to, he grew up in church, and we got baptized together. I mean, instead of, instead of spending time with his wife in the church, he was going away and spending his time. It, was, it started as a walk, but then it became, Stan, he looked for those opportunities, and instead of being in church with his wife, he was in the bars sitting with the mockers. And those mockers begin to say, if she won't join you, if she won't join you in this, then you can do better. You can do better. You deserve better. You deserve more than this. And he bought into the lie, but it didn't start. I mean, this is not only an all-American. He's an all-American mind. I mean, he's way smarter than I am, way more athletic than I am. He's got so many things going for him, but it was such a slippery slope. And it started with a good thing. Many times it's not bad things that lead us away. They can be good things. Anything the enemy can use to take us away from God, he will use whatever at his disposal. You see, no one intends to leave their marriage when they say their I do's like Aaron is getting ready to do. 
No one intentionally sets out to have an affair. And if you've had one, by the way, God's grace is greater than your sin, and this is a great place to be. I want you to know God loves you. I'm not here to remind us of our mistakes. I'm just saying no one sets out to do that. No one tends to get sucked into substance abuse and addiction. No one sits there and says, hey, this is, this is the path I'm going to go down. It is a subtle path. Uh, no one leaves their church overnight. Uh, no, one, no one walks away from God in a moment. It's a subtle, slow path where just one, one, one thing at a time begins to lead to, to more things, and then we get comfortable, and all of a sudden we're not thinking about it anymore. 24 years I've kind of seen this. It's a progression I've seen in the church. And actually, my dad was a pastor. I've seen it longer than that. But I've seen so many times a, a slow progression. I'm talking pre-pandemic even, when, uh, you know, people just, they, things start getting busy in their life, and God and church become to start taking a little bit of a backseat. It starts with a walk. And uh, for Heather and I, when we first got married and we're living in Independence, Kansas, and I was selling insurance, any time it rained, that was our sign from God that we weren't to go to church that day. I mean, we were just like, man, it's so nice. Just let's go back to Bedside Baptist. It feels so good. Let's just do this. And so any time it rained, that was just, that was our cue that we weren't to go. And it just starts with just subtle things that can happen in our lives where we can squeeze the best thing God has for us out. And a few misses turn into many misses or more misses than what you were used to. Then all of a sudden you find yourself sitting on the outside, not even thinking about it. And all of a sudden you're just not in the church at all. Uh, COVID's actually, you know, accelerated that plan. You know, it's so exciting, honestly, at the beginning of of COVID, someone think that's crazy. But for the church, it was kind of exciting because we were having to think of new ways to do ministry because no one was coming here. And when we first started, there was more people engaged online than what was in our services. I mean, and that was true across the board, across the nation. For all my pastor friends, I mean, it was off the charts, off the, out of the roof. But then as we began to settle back in and it became a 50-50, and then a 70-30, then an 80-20. And friends, I'm convinced, and my pastor friends I would say are convinced, and Barner Research would say it says well too, there's 20% at least that are just gone. They're not going to another church. They're just not going to church at all. They may be once kind of interested in God. They're not interested in God at all. And it's just a slippery slope. But I have good news. There's always a but. There's always a but with God. And I want to preach this series if I can figure out a way to do it where it doesn't sound sacrilegious or disrespectful to God. But so many times you see in Scripture, but God, but God, but the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. They took him down and laid, and, and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. If you just want to be encouraged today, search the word Google, but God, and you're going to see how many times but God shows up. And if it wasn't for but God in our life, where would we be? We would be lost, broken, no hope. And you may be in a place today and you find yourself there. You think that's where I am. But I want to tell you, I don't care how far you've gone, where you've been, but God can change. But God can change your marriage. But God can change your family. But God can change your life. But God, in Psalm 1, 2, and 3, says, But those who delight in his law, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night, thinks about God, 
That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. But those who delight in the Lord. What are you delighting in today? What delights you? What thrills you? What consumes you? Where do you spend your time? What, 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 what is it that just uh, delights you? What are you hungry for? You know, sometimes we have to feed our appetites to get a hunger for it. There's a promise in Scripture that Jesus said, and I got good news for you. If you came here hungry today and you're in a good place, if you're feeling hungry and far from God, but you're hungry, you're in a good place. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm going to fill them. They're going to be filled. You want to be full? If you'll hunger and thirst for and sometimes we have to develop that appetite. Uh, pastor Brandon and Caitlin, our high school pastor, they were talking about how don't buy them Starbucks or Scooters gift cards. Do it and honor them and give it to Heather and I. Uh, because they will not appreciate the Starbucks or Scooters gift cards. Uh, they're in their late 20s, and they don't drink coffee. And Heather and I begin to think, you know what? In our late 20s, we didn't drink coffee either. But somewhere around the mid-30s, our mid-30s, we started drinking the foo-foo stuff. You know, the frappuccinos, the stuff that was basically a shake. And then we graduated to lattes, and those begin to taste good. And then, you know, in these recent years, we had to do the sugar-free latte stuff. I mean, that's what we're really, it's not as good, but we're trying to graduate to that. But actually, we drink coffee every day. Every day, it's a part of our morning. It's the, really the first thing we do. We say, who's going to hit the Keurig? Who's going to go hit the on button? And we start, and now I can drink, if it's good, I can drink black coffee and drink it every day. You develop an appetite. And sometimes we need to feed the appetite to develop a hunger. And we don't get, get, get a hunger for something. Some of you, uh, you hated broccoli when you were little, and you love it today. You didn't love it overnight. You started feeding your appetite for good things and for healthy things. Some of us, that illustration doesn't even work because you're never going to like broccoli. But we have to feed our appetite. And when we do, we choose this path. It first starts with asking Christ into our heart to transform us because we can't do that. Only God can do that. We can try to live righteous. We can't do it. We can try to obey. We can try to grow in knowledge. We can do it. If God doesn't transform us through his son, Jesus Christ, and forgiveness of our sins, we're off to a start that won't finish. But when we receive that and we begin to feed that appetite, this path tells us two roads. I'm going to quickly share them, the road of the righteous and the road of the wicked. The road of the righteous, you'll see these things in the scripture in verse 1. It's called the blessed life. Don't let anyone tell you that this isn't the best life. Following Jesus is the best life. Not the easiest life, but it's the best life. And, and good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to good people and vice versa. And we all fall in both of those categories. We're, we, but we, we're, you're blessed. You're blessed when you follow God. When you, when, when you know him and you receive uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which that's the next part is verse 3 talks about um, what the fruit will produce fruitfulness and prosperous. Really, that is spiritually to be fruitful, to, to be well with your soul, to, to bear good fruit is to, who doesn't want this in their life? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Self who doesn't want those things? Well, maybe not patience. I know we're not all excited about that, but who doesn't want joy? Who doesn't want love? Who doesn't want peace in their life? 
The blessed life is through Christ, and he brings us that fruit of the Spirit. That's the road of righteousness. And finally, in verse 6, it says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. You're watched and cared for by God. If you're following God, you're going to be watched and cared for. No matter what your situation is, you're not going to go through it alone. I don't care what diagnosis you're going through. I don't care what family situation you're going through. I don't care if you're going through divorce today or whatever it may be. If you'll put your faith and trust in Christ, you will not go through it alone. You will have a friend that sticks closer to your brother. You will have someone that watches and cares over for you. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, the believer does not have to fear because the Lord is with us. He walks with us through that. He does not ever leave us nor forsake us. He's always there for us. He watches over us. One of the ways he watches over us is through one another, the body of Christ. Christ is the head. We are the body. We are the hands and the feet. And we are meant to, to help watch and care for one another. Then quickly, the road to the wicked, the road of the wicked. Verse 4 says, they're like chaff. The wind blows. When the rain comes, when the winds blow, when the storms of this life hit, if you're not walking with God, you are going to crumble and fall. You are going to blow like the chaff in the wind in every direction. Verse 5 says, you won't withstand the judgment. We're not, if you don't walk down the path and you don't choose God, choose Christ, it's a blessed life. It's just as simple as that. Don't choose Jesus Christ and it, you're going to go down a path that you're not going to withstand on the day of judgment. A day that we're all going to face and I'm not going to stand because of my righteousness. I'm going to stand because of the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ and that hope that we have in him. Verse 5 also says we, they won't, the wicked won't share with the rewards of eternity with the righteous. And finally, verse 6, it says there's a final destruction. There's a path that leads to life. There's a path that leads to death and destruction. And Psalm 1 lays it out for us and, and tells us the way in which we should go. And the way it is is to be but God. And I'm going to finish with verse 2 and 3 again that says, but, the, the, but whose delight, but those who delight in the law of the Lord... And who meditate on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. I love the visual imagery of the psalmist. I love the visual imagery of that tree that's roots have gone deep, that uh, we were by a river in Colorado earlier on our sabbatical on our way home, and all the trees by the, by the river and the nourishment, and, and it was just the beauty of God that we we're able to behold. But to, to think about, yeah, those, those trees, they're going to bear fruit. They're going to bear fruit in season and out of season because they're connected to the source. They're connected to the water. They're connected to life. The water source for us is Jesus. The water that brings us life is Jesus. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Jesus is that source. But I want to tell you something else about trees. The biggest, baddest, best trees we used to live an hour from when we were in Vicelli, California, Sequoia National Park. Who's been to Sequoia National Park? Seen the great Sequoias? General Sherman, General Grant. These amazing trees that are older than, than when Jesus was born. They're, they're 3,000 plus years old. They're 300 feet plus, they get up to 300 feet plus tall. 
They're 30 feet wide in circumference. They're just massive. They're just huge. But what makes them strong is one is their roots have the ability to go 300 feet to find water. And you know what? I think I might have got that wrong. I need to read, I need to search up Google after the service. Someone search it up here. Someone can find it real quick. It might be 300 yards. 300 feet doesn't sound that far. I think I might have got it wrong for a service. Anyway, it goes a long ways. The point is, it goes a long ways to find water. I'm just going to say 300 yards sounds better. So let's just go with that. 300 yards. It'll go up to 300, 100 to 300 yards to find water. And, and the roots go to a level of depth, but they, they won't sustain by themselves. You know what else the sequoias needs? They need one another. The sequoias, they, they're, they're, their root systems are intertwined with each other, and, and they don't stand alone. If you have a sequoia seed standing by itself, get out. Get out of the way. You're going to be falling over on because they don't last. They don't survive. They don't thrive without being connected with each other. So they have to be connected to the water source. They also have to be connected with each other. Sounds like a lot like the church and our faith in Christ. We have to have the water source, the water of Jesus Christ who died on a cross for our sins, who defeated our, 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 um, our enemy of, of death and sin, rose again three days later. We need that water source. We need Jesus. We need his righteousness to fill us. But we also need one another. That's the way God made us, is he made us to be connected. And we weren't meant to just survive. We were, we were meant to thrive. And we just, we stand taller together. Like the sequoias, we stand taller together. And God made us to thrive. But the way that we thrive is to be connected to Christ and his church. Christ, yes, he died for you. But he, you'll see, scripture says, he died for the church. The church is his bride. The church is the one that he loves. He loves the bride, he, he loves the church, and the church is his body. And there's some of us that have gotten out of practice. Maybe it's in here, maybe it's online, but you've disconnected. Maybe you've disconnected from engaging with the church. Maybe you've disconnected in not being in small groups and life groups. It's Pastor Nate, he breathes this passion to see you connected with one another. Why does he, why is he always beating this drum about being in a life group, being with other people? Because it's our source of strength. And left alone on our own, we're going to fall. We're not going to last. But we need to be connected to the body of Christ. I want to challenge some of online. I'm so thankful that you're online. But some of you, it's time to come back. It's time to be part of this body. Because we need you and you need us. It goes both ways. We miss you when you're not here. Now, that's not a guilt for anyone that's, that you're engaging in on this or you're going through a season of life. It's not to, meant to be a guilt thing. I'm just saying we're meant to thrive in our relationship with Christ and with God. But you cannot thrive if you're not connected to Christ and his body. We need the church. You need the church. So this morning, but God... But God says those who delight in him are going to be like trees planted like streams of water. What path are you on today? What direction are you going? Do you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for us today as we close, but with your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning, I have kind of two questions. The first question is this. Some of you, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in this room, you're not connected to the source today. 
you're not connected to Jesus Christ. And all of it's because you've kind of walked away or it's because you've never made that decision. You've never made it for the first time. But today is the day to make a choice, to make a decision. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to choose the source of life, the water of life that will give you satisfaction and joy and peace. And no one's looking around today. It's just you, me, and God. I'm not here to call you. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. No one looking around, but that's you today. You want to, you want to choose life today. You want to receive Jesus. You want to, you want to be a, a part of, of his kingdom and just be a child of God. That's you today. Would you just raise your hand where I can see it boldly? Thank you. Would you raise it? Some of you. Yep, thank you. Thank you, some of you. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe it's, maybe it's a return back. Whatever it is, God knows. It doesn't matter that I know. What matters is God knows. And here's what I'm going to pray for you. And you can just pray this in your heart. And here's what I can tell you. Scripture says that if you believe this and you earnestly mean it, that God will never turn his back on you. He will not turn away from you. He'll in no wise cast out, but he'll accept you. doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, where you are. He wants you to embrace him today. This is a short prayer that you just can join me in praying in your heart today. Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Make me a brand new person inside. And put me on this journey of this blessed life of following you. I trust in you and you alone. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. Maybe you find yourself, you love God, you know he loves you, but you've taken some steps back. He hasn't moved. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he hasn't moved. But today, you hear him, and I see some of you raise your hands already. But you, today, God is calling you back and saying, I want you to re-engage with my church. I want you to re-engage with the body because we stand stronger together. We need you. You need us. And if that's you today, I'm not going to call you out and embarrass you either, but you just raise your hand like some are already doing. We just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. God sees you. God sees you. Same thing. You, 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 you pray it in earnest, and let's make this the prayer for all of us. Lord Jesus, Lord, we, we know that you love us. We know that you died on a cross for us. We know that you gave your very son for us, your very life for us. You paid our penalty. You paid it in full so that we wouldn't have to. You paid a price that we could not pay. And you've given us the gift of eternal life. And you've given us the gift of relationship with you. And Lord, you've also given us your church for strength. Lord, because your church is what's going to help us. So as it says in the scripture, pity the person who falls down and has no one to help them up. But Lord, where two or three are bound together, when we fall, we have people to pick us up. So Lord, I pray, Lord, you would re-engage us, Lord, with your church and with your body because we need one another and we stand taller together. So Lord, we thank you for your church that you died for. And we pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you would help us to walk out of here in that victory in that peace, and in that joy. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your Labor Day weekend. And can't wait to see you next Sunday.